0: motherhood and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Catherine Earl. Catherine has spent 20 years designing curricula and programs for children of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds. She has conceptualized and brought to life over 200 renowned arts-based community development programs over the span of 15 years. Catherine is a consultant, certified teacher, program director, visual artist, and mother of two. Her most recent accomplishment is creating My Life Playbook an arts-based mindset journal for kids promoting self-awareness, self-love, and mindfulness. The book became the inspiration for her product-based business, My Life Creative, which launched in April of 2021. My Life Creative focuses on products for kids that build resilience using creativity. Catherine has been featured on CTV News, CBC News, and Global News, Providing tips on how parents can support their children's emotional wellness. Catherine's life mission is to use the arts to create fun and interactive experiences that promote resilience, emotional well being, and personal growth in everyone, but especially children. Thank you so much for joining me, Catherine. Thank you for having me. So, to get started, I'm looking at your bio and you have had such a variety of roles and experiences in your work life over the years. So I'm curious, how has your motherhood and work juggle evolved and what are some of the successes and challenges you have experienced along the way?
1: So when I first became a mom, that was eight years ago now. So my oldest is eight years old and I was still working full time. So it was a very much traditional sort of a year off for mat leave. And then when I went back to work after a year, my daughter went straight into daycare. So I was working in the community development sector at this time. And my job was pretty emotionally demanding, but also required me to work a lot of evenings and a lot of weekends as well. I guess my challenge at that time was that I I didn't feel like I was seeing my kid very much. And I think that's, that's kind of typical if you've got a child in daycare, and then you're also kind of working Um, hours that extend past nine to five. So that was a bit of a challenge. So when I was pregnant with my second child, which was about five years ago, I ended up quitting my job in community development, mainly because of that struggle of not feeling like I was seeing my child, my first child, and also just feeling like I, I couldn't show up emotionally at home because I was using so much of my emotional energy at work and it just wasn't working out for me. So I spent the next four years as a stay-at-home mom and doing some really part-time consulting during that time. And I have to say that this was also such a challenging time for me as well. I felt like I had to work, like I felt like I wanted to have something going on that wasn't just being a mom. So I started doing a little bit of consulting gigs. I was working with museums and helping them with their youth programming at the time, which was really fulfilling to me. And I really appreciated the fact that I had this little gig on the side. But I I know a lot of moms out there do it, like are able to balance contract work and working when their babies are napping and all of that stuff. But it just felt so impossible to me, which ultimately meant that my workday would start after the kids went to bed. So I would be starting work at 9pm, working till one in the morning, sometimes all in pursuit of sort of having this dual life going on as a working mom and someone who had little kids at home. So that was quite short lived as well. And also there was just the childcare issues. If I had to go somewhere to do a presentation, it involved a lot of background hustle in terms of childcare as well. So it, it, it was, it was fulfilling for me because it was nice to have something on the side, but it was also really draining on another aspect. So, so beyond that, uh, my kids grew a little, and then the pandemic hit in 2020, which is such a, the turning point for everybody, I guess. And I, I have to be grateful on some sense because the pandemic was really an inspiring force to, to what I've been doing since then. So when the pandemic hit, I was inspired to create My Life Playbook, which you already explained what that is, and then develop that into my business, My Life Creative. So since then, it's been a really interesting set of circumstances because I'm working from home and I am working very full time and it is a pandemic. So my kids are home with me. And here in Ontario, our kids have been out of school more than they've been in school this past year. It's been a lot. So. In terms of challenges there, it's just, it's boundaries. And I think every family has been going through this over the past year. Like the dynamics are all kind of shot. You've got everything happening one on top of the others. Everyone's doing different things in the same space. And it's just really hard to physically manage that, but also emotionally too. So you've got like a typical day for us might be, you set the kids up with breakfast or whatever it is. They go to their virtual school. I maybe get in 20 minutes of work, but then, uh oh, it's snack time. I got to make the snack time fit into when the school says it's snack time and I've got two kids who are on two different schedules. And then I might get another couple emails sent and then somebody needs help with something and then all of a sudden it's lunchtime so you got to like stop and do that. So it's a lot of this switching of hats. And I along with every other parent in the world has just found that so incredibly challenging to manage all of that and I think to us moms we tend to step into that managerial role and that role has just amplified so so much over the past year it's been really really crazy so all that being said in terms of successes I I think this year I've learned a lot about celebrating the little things Um, and that goes for my business as well as just how I'm performing as a mom it is a wonderful day when you can teach your kids how to get their own snacks there's also celebrating the fact that my older child can now help my five-year-old with her virtual school. So she's been able to sort of take some of that responsibility as well. I also celebrate just little things in the business. I'm so new in my entrepreneurial journey that if somebody reposts something that I posted on Instagram, I acknowledge it. I take it in. And I, I feel that if I have an uninterrupted Zoom meeting where I can get through the meeting without somebody walking in and demanding something, or if there's not kids sort of arguing in the- the background and me feeling completely stretched or pulled in two different directions that is also another win in my book so right now the successes are all about those small little things and that's really helping me with my own mindset and also just helping the general vibe in the house overall I love
0: that and I think it's so true you know sometimes it's so easy to overlook those small wins but I think it's so important to acknowledge them and recognize them and celebrate them now more than ever, more than ever. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm i definitely with you on that and, and just trying to kind of find those little reasons to celebrate because then it, it sort of fuels you. It keeps you going because the days are tough. And as we were talking about before, my kids are actually at school right now, but we've had stretches of time with them home and then back and and all that. And it's been really tough, really mm-hmm. tough. And thankfully a huge win when I think back to last year at during the springtime, when I thought this is just can't. Yeah. <laughs> We've come a long way. We have yes. come a long way. And I, yes, them being able to get their own snacks is huge because I feel like kids eat 24 seven sometimes oh yeah (laughs) now that in itself is a great strategy to make you know a motherhood work juggle work and just the juggle is such an adventure on a daily basis so what are some other strategies that have been helpful to make it all work for you and your family
1: so for us for me especially I'm a big routine person I like to know what's coming next I like to have a to-do list that's just me I know that's not everybody Sometimes I even wish I was less like that. (laughs) A big one in our house, especially during those work days where the kids are doing virtual schooling while I'm at home working is that we have a routine and that that routine includes some, some sort of structured time. So, you know, they've got their time where they're supposed to be at school or if they're choosing not to do school that day, then they've got reading or drawing or whatever it is they're working on. And that's time that I've carved out for myself to get some work done. So they've got the structured time, I think unstructured time is really, really important for kids so they can get their own snacks, yay. So they can get their own snacks when they're on their breaks, they can entertain themselves, and it's their job to watch the clock and make sure they're either back on school on time or wherever they're supposed to be. So that's been really helpful because that then allows me a little bit more time to get some stuff done that I need to. And then aside from that, connection time is really important to be built into our routine as well. So every day we eat lunch together, And then when everyone's done all their their school stuff or, you know, if I'm wrapping up my work stuff, we make sure we go out for a walk. And the walking has been so essential during the pandemic. Like, I feel like everyone's just like, have you gone on your walk today? You know, like it's the walk is really, really important. It's really important to get out of the house. But for us, it's important to have that connection time, because I think, too, with little kids, they're not used to seeing their parents at work. They go to school, we do our work, and our work is this mythical thing. It's this thing that just kind of exists that they don't really see. So I think it's really hard for them to be in that same environment with you and you having your attention diverted elsewhere. So that connection time has been really, really important just to make sure you're, you're not dismissing your children too much during the day or, or me in particular. So that's been really great for us. Another strategy that I use and that I like to name a lot is self-compassion. And that is me embodying it and also me teaching that to our kids. And that just means the routine is not going to work all the time. The routine doesn't work every day. It means that we can't always be at our best all the time. That shouldn't necessarily be the expectation. And that goes for me and the kids. We're in a really unique sort of World right now, a really unique situation where we are spending a lot of time together, and so emotions fly, tensions run high, we fight, we argue. I'm not always, you know, my best as a parent. I, I think naming self-compassion and practicing self-compassion and teaching your kids about self-compassion that's been so important to us because it just kind of eases the atmosphere a little bit. And then another strategy that I I use, I I also teach this to my kids, but when I when I think about What really helps me is is practicing mindfulness throughout the day. When people think of mindfulness, a lot of people think you have to sit in meditation or you have to do yoga or whatever it is, and those things are great. But really what it is for me and how I practice it throughout the day is just, it means checking in with yourself and knowing when you need a break, being aware of what you're feeling and what you're sensing and not judging yourself and, and taking pause and taking the time you need, right? So mindfulness might be after spending all morning on Zoom. It might be just looking out the window for a little while (laughs) at the trees or taking a few deep breaths. There's a really nice time of day where the light hits our garden really nicely. So I like to go out there and just leave my phone inside and have a few sips of tea and just kind of settle for a minute. It's like celebrating the small wins. It's like celebrate the small wins and then take small moments of time where you can reset and check in with yourself. Things are layered upon each other right now. Not everyone has space in the day to meditate or to practice yoga right now especially if you've got little kids at home. So um so that's another thing that another strategy that's really helping me. <laughs> that is a great list of
0: strategies, so many good ideas and I'm so with you on the walk. The walks have become such a mm-hmm. part of our routine and it's been just so nice. It feels like taking a deep breath and it when things when the kids were at home especially last spring, but it's, it's carried on. I mean, not quite as consistently, but I would sort of take one of them at a time and just do a walk with Mm. each of them just to have a little bit of that one-on-one time. Cause we were having a lot of together time, Mm -hmm. but not really that like connection time where if you needed to get something off your chest or talk about something and not have everybody else around, it was sort of an opportunity to do that. So that was, that's been really nice. Oh, that is such a great idea. That's great. Now resilience. So this is a mm-hmm. word that I think we are hearing about more and more uh, lately. So just that ability to work through challenges and overcome stress. I'm curious what resilience means to you and why it's so important and why is using creativity a great way to help build resilience in kids?
1: Okay, so this is a huge question. It is, <laughs> but, I will, <laughs> but I will. I will get to it all. Okay, so so like you said, a textbook definition of resilience is adapting to change and bouncing back from challenges. So I like to think of it as one of those stress balls. Like if you if you squish on it, you can imagine all of those little indentations that your fingers make as life's transitions different stressors, different difficult situations we go through. And when you release the ball, it retains its natural form. So that's kind of a little metaphor. For me, I feel like it's, you could argue that resilience, you, you never truly arrive at like optimal resilience. Resilience is something that we, it's like a muscle that we can, train and flex and develop and maintain over time and that involves the learning of different strategies and tools that help build and develop our resilience. So that includes things like mindfulness, like focusing on a positive mindset and and creativity, which is the one that I, I'm really sort of into exploring that intersection right now. And it's important to build our resilience because building resilience and being resilient helps us to look past our problems and come up with healthy solutions. It involves decision making, building healthy relationships and self-awareness. And it really helps us return to ourselves and prioritize ourselves, not in a selfish way, but really call on our our sense of inner strength throughout our lives. And it is so important that we teach kids resilience, that we have opportunities for um, our kids to build their resilience for a few different reasons. So the first one is that I I read a statistic the other day, and we were in a mental health crisis with our kids pre-pandemic, like there was already a problem there. And since the pandemic started, something like 72% of parents have noticed a decline in their children's emotional well-being. And that's a huge number. And I also don't even think that's as high as it actually is. I mean, I've definitely seen it in my own children. They miss their friends. There was a huge chunk of time where we weren't even seeing our extended family. But there's just a lot of transitions. It's so hard to know what kids are absorbing, too, when it comes to the trickle down of information. They are experiencing a lot of challenges right now. There's been changes to their school lives, their social lives, their personal lives, everything. Like they're going through this pandemic with us. So that's really important reason. And sort of on that same tip is that we're we're now entering a world now that hopefully we're taking steps through this pandemic we're entering a world that is completely changed we don't really know what the fallout is going to be yet and we don't know how that's going to affect the future of our children i'm sure there's going to be a mental health fallout from this there's going to be an economic fallout from this and and who knows what else so we're really raising our kids right now to be in a world that, that we ourselves are not familiar with. One thing we do know that we have learned is that things can change really, really quickly, right? Things can change on a dime. And that is something that this this pandemic has, has gifted us, that knowledge. <laughs> so we want to arm our kids with strategies that they can use to build up their inner strength so that they can navigate their lives, but also be a part of the positive change and the positive growth within our society. Ultimately, they're going to be the leaders who see us through this next phase, um, which is actually really exciting. And then I have, I have one more sort of interesting statistic about why we do need to build resilience in our kids, especially now. And this is, I admit this is uh, a bit of hearsay. So my friend told me this statistic. I've not read the study, but it's interesting. And let's and let's pretend it's true for a minute. So apparently, only 20% of the jobs that exist now will exist in 20 years. And this is what I've heard. I've heard it kind of told in various ways. We tend historically to have focused on preparing our children to have the skills to enter certain workforces, to enter a certain profession. and, And that's what we deem successful. But if we don't even know what those are at this point, we better make sure they're just good people. We better just make sure that they're kind, they're empathetic, they're self-aware, and then they can manage those changes, whatever they are. Creativity and resilience are actually very linked. And when we talk about creativity, creativity is the process by which something is being created. So that can be something tangible, like an artwork or A story or a building or whatever it is, or it could be something really simple and not tangible, something like an idea. But the point is, is that it's a process. And this process of creativity is really, really linked to building resilience. First of all, it promotes positive emotions. So being in that creative space makes us happy. Like It increases our, our endorphins. It, it puts us in a positive mindset, which is really important when we are in a situation we are where we are facing changes or facing challenges. The other thing is that that creative process gives our minds a break. So it's really similar to mindfulness and to meditation. So our brains actually respond in a similar way when we're in the creative process as if we were meditating, which is really important in terms of managing our stress regulating our emotions, and just sort of taking pause, taking a break, being able to see things a bit more objectively. Being creative is an outlet to channel our emotions and not just, you know, positive emotions, but negative emotions too. Like I have a friend who said that she's a dancer and she said that dance was an integral part of her getting through her parents' divorce when she was young. She was able to release all of the tension and all of the turmoil and kind of dance it out, you know, which was really, really valuable to her. And we want to draw our kids to those outlets so that they can support themselves emotionally throughout their lives. Really, really important connection is that the creative process encourages problem-solving skills and it normalizes the mistake-making process. So when we're creating something, it's like a series of decisions, (laughs) problem-solving, And and mistake making, and that is how we ultimately arrive at some sort of product. And a lot of those things might happen, especially for kids subconsciously, but it's so important that we that we normalize that mistake making because it helps kids to see that mistakes can be learning opportunities, that they're not always bad, that you don't have to feel ashamed, that frustration can be worked through and that they might even bring you to newer, better, more amazing creations and more amazing ideas. That's strongly linked to resilience as well, that ability to work past your problems and see them more objectively and also embrace that, embrace challenges and the mistake-making process. Creativity in itself has multiple connections to releasing emotions. So, you know, the physical movement of dance releases endorphins. And working with different colors, like if you're painting and stuff like that, working with different colors provokes different emotional responses in us. Like blue, working with blue, very calming. Working with orange or red, it's like vitality and energy. We we respond to these things emotionally, and that can really have an effect on our mindset. Creative play. So, you know, when I talk about creativity, I do talk a lot about the arts. But with kids, when they're just playing with their toys, that is the ultimate creative activity for children. They're working through so much when they're playing, when they go off into that space. That's where they're really flexing their decision-making skills, their leadership skills, learning about conflict resolution and healthy relationships. All of that stuff happens through that creative play as well. And then when kids come to share their creations, That's where vulnerability comes in and we see the benefits of being vulnerable and kids can say, look, I'm putting myself out there. What do you think? That is also a huge part of building resilience is becoming comfortable with that feeling as well. That feeling of putting yourself out there, taking risks, not necessarily knowing what's going to happen next, not necessarily knowing how people are going to respond. All of that really, really matters. And the best part about it all is that kids are just so naturally creative, really there, there's not a whole lot we need to do to really set them up to, to get creative, which is just the best part of all. Well, that is so helpful. And I I mean, I see it a
0: lot in our house daily, actually. Our 10-year-old is quite creative, and our recycling bin is the best s- source yes. of inspiration for him ever. So we have various creations all over our home. The latest is he made a confetti popper for our 13-year-old for his birthday (laughs) yesterday with a balloon and paper towel roll, and he hole-punched a bunch of different colored pieces of paper, and it was so sweet. So, yeah, I I definitely see in different ways with each of our kids, and, you know, as you're talking, it just makes even more sense, kind of all the pieces of that. But for our 10-year-old in particular, I see how – Being creative in terms of like building things and making things and inventing things has been a really important tool for him, I think, especially now more than ever. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that my teacher hat and background influences a lot of the work and things that I do in other areas. And I'm curious, how does your background? in teaching and community development influence how you create your product?
1: That's a great question. And it's funny because you create things in your life. And then it's it's only when someone asks you a question where you're like, oh, yeah, I wonder how that did affect, you know, like, I'm sure that that was there. So it was, it's been interesting to me for me to come to this response, I guess, is what I'm saying. So teaching to me is about taking big ideas and simplifying them, right? So Taking big ideas. And so in the products that I've created, like in my life playbook, and I've got a great new product coming out in the summer, I take ideas like mindset and mindfulness and manifestation and intention setting and intuition, and I will distill them down into one or two sentences. That's a definition. So really, it's introducing these things to children. And then i think another part of my teaching background that comes in is that you want to make things relevant to kids so to really deepen the learning really have them absorb it um, and understand it on a personal level there has to be some sort of personal connection so in my products i define it really simply and then there's always a creative prompt that goes along with it always a writing exercise or drawing or a movement challenge or something that allows the kids to connect whatever it is I'm introducing into their personal life. So, say I'm introducing a topic like intuition and talking about, you know, how intuition is a part of decision making and it can affect how your body feels and how your body responds. And then a child, maybe I might ask them to to think of a time where, you know, their body felt uneasy when they were making a decision and describe it or draw about it or write about it. So that's that's kind of how my teaching background comes into it. And t- in terms of where my background in community development comes in, that's where I really learned how the arts are a great pay- way to communicate and a great way to get people who aren't necessarily artists to express themselves. When we use topics or when we examine topics using creativity, we're able to dig really deep because the process of creation is so opening and so freeing. So that's where I really learned how. You can take somebody who has zero experience in the arts and then use artistic prompts to really help them find their voice um, and really help empower them and instill a sense of confidence and pride. Well, and creativity has been identified
0: as one of the 21st century skills. So I know in the teaching world, this comes up all the time. It's essentially that broad set of knowledge, skills, and work habits and character traits that are believed to be critically important to success in today's world, including that ability to work in jobs that don't exist at the moment, for example, and for our kids to be prepared (laughs) for all the interesting things to come in the future, and including all the things like critical thinking and problem solving and communication, initiative, persistence, and creativity is one of those skills too. So how can we as parents encourage creativity with our own kids? And what are a couple of examples of creative activities that we can do with our kids to help improve their minds?
1: Okay, so I love this question. It's fun to answer. Like I said before, it doesn't take a whole lot to help our kids access their creativity. But just to break it down, the first and best thing we can do for our kids is to let them be bored to maybe have times of the day where maybe their screens aren't available to them, but you as a parent are also not available to them to fill in those gaps in the day. It's not your job to entertain them during these times. They will find ways to entertain themselves very quickly. The next thing we want to do is to make sure that we create an environment where creativity is available to them. So this doesn't mean you need to have an art studio in your house. This can be, you know, something simple as a little shelf. So in our, in our kitchen, we have a little shelf and that's where our creative materials are. It just sits there. It's really not a big deal. And it wasn't hard to set it up. It's that's where we keep our art supplies. That's where they have some little instruments. They keep some of their toys there. You can have costumes, fabrics, whatever. So traditional kind of creative supplies. But then as you mentioned, kids are really inspired by the non-traditional stuff too. (laughs) So definitely include some recyclable items, maybe cereal boxes, paper towels, whatever, or you could could just give your child access to your recycling bin if that's easier. Things from outside and you can have your kids help you gather this stuff like sticks and stones and different things that they're interested in. My kids love squeeze bottles. They can do so much with a squeeze bottle, like an empty dishwasher liquid bottle. It's amazing. So we have an area where this stuff just is. And another important thing is that it's all within reach for your child. It's all safe to use. And you even might want to consider rotating these items. It depends on your child but every month or two maybe add something new take something away just to keep their interest and then you just step back you you let them get bored you give them the stuff you give them access to the stuff and then you step back and this can be like the most difficult thing for some parents and myself included even with the work that I do sometimes I really want to interfere you know sometimes my kid will come to me with a drawing of a face and the nose is where the ear should be and it's this little thing in me that it makes me want to correct them And it's really important for us parents to let that go, understand that that's more about us than it is about them and let them have that process of discovery on their own. Like we don't want to disempower them in that way. We want them to make mistakes. We want them to get frustrated. We want them to learn, to learn through the process of creation and get all of that good resilience building stuff with the decision-making, the making mistakes, the being vulnerable all of that stuff, we want them to be a part of that process. And then we also want to, it it reminded me when you said you had a confetti maker in your house, we want to kind of encourage the mess. Like they can, it's hard. That's another hard one, right? Let it just be. And this is a tough one for me too. I'm always trying to clean up after everybody, but sometimes you got to just let it be and then involve them in the cleaning up too when it comes to that time. And then the last thing, which I think is so, so important is to praise the process. So if you have a child who's created something or who's explaining a little scenario that they've set up that they've made with their toys and a bunch of items, definitely comment on what they've presented you with, but ask them questions about the process. Ask them, well, how did you arrive here? Or, you know, how did you get this little piece of cardboard to stick straight up on this paper towel roll or whatever it is, you know, because we want them to honor that process. And your kids will love to share that with you. They'll love to share with you how they got from A to B and how they created their amazing masterpiece. We want them to own that process. We want them to understand that they grew through that process. And we want them to honor the fact that they that they have created something and that that took more than just them whipping something up or following a set of dis- instructions that was really their own choices and decisions.
0: Those are great strategies and yes, the cleanup and the mess <laughs> that comes with creativity. We're getting better at the cleaning up part. We have a creative space in our home as well. And most people perhaps hang jackets in their front closet, but ours has become like a maker space. So it's just mm. a bunch of different things to be creative with. And I'm sure that there'll be some point as our kids are getting older, where. Maybe we'll hang jackets in that closet once again, but for now it's where all the popsicle sticks and cotton balls and pom-poms and glue and everything oh, is, yeah. <laughs> uh, is kept there. But those are fantastic ideas. Thank you so much. Are there a couple of examples of specific creative activities that you would suggest that we could uh, do with our kids or encourage our kids to do to help improve their mindset?
1: Yes, absolutely. So there's there's so many things we can do and just to to plug my instagram a little bit i do have a mood boosting activity that i post every friday so i have lots there if people are interested I'll, i will share a couple with you a couple really great quick ones but before i do i just want to specify when you're being creative with your kids it doesn't have to be particularly organized structured it can actually be quite intuitive something as simple as you know doing a living room dance party or you just throw on some music and dance like that counts as a mood boosting activity that's gonna improve everybody's mood in the household last night we made a fort and we slept in the fort and that was like myself included. <laughs> and it was so much fun. It was the simplest thing, but it was really, really fun. A little break in the routine it, it involved some of that interesting problem solving, getting everything to stick together in a way that that functioned and stuff like that. So all of these are going to release positive emotions. I do have a couple more crafty ones to share. The first one I love so much. It's called Affirmation Jars. So this one, it's really easy in in everything I sort of, in all of these activities, what I try and do is, is to make it like very few materials and very little work on the parent end of things, because I know how stretched we are right now. So the stuff that I post and these ones that I share with you today, this is stuff you have around your house already. So that is key. So affirmation jars, all you need is a jar or a container of any kind from your kitchen, and you give it to your child and you ask them to personalize it. So Again, we don't wanna oversee this process too much. Let them have fun. They can use cutouts of things that they like. They can use photographs of themselves. They can use a bottle of glue. My kids did (laughs) glue pom poms all over a jar. Whatever they wanna do to make this jar Uh, a representation of who they are. And once all that glue is drying, you get them to sit down and write down on little pieces of paper, the positive things about themselves that they know to be true. So this is where the affirmations come in. And this is where we're teaching our kids about positive self-talk and how you can use that as a tool to improve your mindset throughout your life. So your children will start by writing, I am kind, I am brave. I am courageous. And then eventually they'll run out of ideas. And that's when we get to step in as a family and start discussing things. I might say to my child, oh, well, you know, you were helping me with dinner the other night. You're such a great cook <laughs> or you're such a good helper. And then they, they're so excited to write it down. They're like, oh, good helpers. They can write that down. So once they have their pile of affirmations, these all go in the jar and the jar just sits in a visible spot in your house. Now, how we use the jar is that if ever your child is feeling down or upset or if they're sad, they can go to the jar and dump it out and they can read through all of these affirmations that are there in their own handwriting, which is important, and remember all the reasons that they are loved and all the reasons that they are amazing and really help boost their spirit. And that's where we're teaching them about self-worth about the power of positive self-talk and about how to use affirmations to support yourself, not only when you're a little kid, but throughout your life as well. So that's a really great one. And the ones that we have in our house, I find they're kind of a living thing. So it it motivates a bit of positive behavior in the house. Even like if my child is, I remember like the other night, my daughter was helping her sister with something. And then she was like, oh, I'm such a thoughtful big sister. And then she like wrote it down and put it in the jar. (laughs) it's just which is great because it means she's reminding herself you know and and that's what using affirmations is all about it's about repetition it's about acknowledging when you're killing it at something you know so that's one that I love and it's tried and tested we use this and then the other one that I wanted to share it's really popular and everyone knows what they are but I love them so much they're they're kindness rocks and um These are all over our neighborhood right now, but I I like this one for so many reasons. All you do is you send your kids outside, which is going to improve their mindset immediately because being outside just makes us feel so much better. They're going to collect a bunch of medium-sized rocks and paint them in bright colors. So the act of painting and using bright colors, that is also going to bring some life and some energy. And then we're going to write on these rocks positive statements and positive words words like, you know, love, unity, respect, you're amazing. I don't know, your kids will come up with nice things to write. And then we take the kids on a walk, and we leave them for other children to find. And there's something really that's been really powerful about that, especially over this past year, there have been times where, you know, we haven't been able to connect with our neighborhood friends. So as we're going on these walks, my kids feel like they're a part of a bigger society, you know, they're anticipating other friends coming up and picking these up. And, and having that, the rocks be something that makes them feel good, you know, like feeling like they're a part of a moment of connection and a moment of joy in another child's life. That's just been so powerful for us. So that's another good one. All the rest are on my my Instagram.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, and I'll make a, a note specifically to look for those in the show notes. So along with your Instagram handle, because that's fantastic, because sometimes it's just hard to come up with the, those ideas and the ones that you've shared they're not complicated, they're doable, and at the same time, really impactful and a great opportunity for our kids to to get creative as well. So I'm going to pick your brain for some other ideas and ask you a few rapid fire questions. Okay, so the first one is what has been your go to meal on those super busy days?
1: Okay, I know it's rapid fire, but I have two answers. That's okay. <laughs> So if I'm, if it's for, if it's for the family, like if I actually have to cook for other people on those days, it's like pasta with like a pre-made store-bought pesto and maybe some cut up vegetables that seems to work for everyone. But if it's just me and I'm like tired and it's the end of the day and everyone else has eaten something, then I will like take a boatload of joy and just eating a big bowl of popcorn for dinner, like stovetop with coconut oil. It's my favorite food. Wow. We
0: speak the same language because <laughs> I have almost a problem with popcorn and I would totally choose to eat it for dinner as well. And I cook mine on the stove too, and it's so delicious. And uh, oh, yeah. I love it with a uh, truffle salt.
1: Mm, okay, and
0: nutritional
1: yeast. Yes, Yum. yeah, it's so
0: good. Okay, so see, good. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> popcorn for dinner, that's a good thing. What is your favorite family game or activity?
1: So this is, a, this is a new one because my, our youngest daughter is five. So she's really just learned how to keep up with us a little bit. I love hiking and I love walking. And so my favorite family activity is when we can all go for a long walk together, either in the forest or even just a city walk. And I like it because there's, you can take the same walk a million times and there's always new things to look at and the kids will always find new things. But I also find that's when my kids tell me stuff. There's something about walking side by side and not looking at each other that, that makes them open up to me. That's when they tell me about what's going on with their friends at school. And we just have really great conversations. So I, I love taking walks with the family.
0: That sounds so lovely. Yes. And I'm with you there. It's, it's one of my favorite things too. And lastly, what is a book, podcast, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently?
1: Okay. So there's so many. I just I just started reading last night. I've been really focusing on my money mindset and releasing some blockages that I have there. So I've been really focused on that. So so I'm reading two books right now. One is called We Should Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And it's I just started it, but it's so good. I love how she writes. And the other one is an old one that I've read a million times, and it's called uh, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. And she's so funny. She's just so good. She just makes it feel like you can do it. And she's got great, great exercises in there, which this time, as I'm reading the book this time, I think it's the third time I'm actually making myself do all the little exercises she has. So that's been a really really impactful, great one that I've been into lately. Well, the second one I've heard of the first
0: one I haven't, but now I haven't read either. So now I'm adding them to my list. See, these, this is why I ask these questions selfishly. <laughs> they help me plan and and organize my life. A big part of my motherhood philosophy is like big borrow steel. So be sort of be inspired by other people's ideas. You can take it or leave it, but I love picking other people's brains, asking them and seeing what works for them. So thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Now in the part-time jungle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a mommy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So a mistake, something you wish you had done differently, but more or less a learning opportunity that you've had as a mom.
1: Okay. So it's, I've been trying to think of like something specific and like witty and funny to share with you, but I can't. And like, I think the thing is, is that, and I like, trust me, I definitely mess up the things that when I think about my mommy mess up, it is the ongoing hypocrisy of parenthood. You know, it's the fact that I'm tone policing my kids, but I can't watch my own tone. And it's the fact that I might be the one with the bad attitude, but I'm like really willing to point out everybody else's bad attitude. It's that sort of level of maybe not practicing what I preach all the time and not checking myself in the same way that I am so willing to check my kids. And that's something that it's a daily... Ongoing thing that I'm trying to manage is just what are the expectations I have of my kids versus the expectations I put on myself? And how are those both unrealistic or or realistic? I feel like what I have learned, and this goes along with the self compassion thing, is that especially in the circumstances we're in right now, we can't be our best all the time. And that goes for me, but it also goes for my kids. So I'm just sort of Trying to be more self-aware myself in how I parent, but I'm also trying to lose the guilt about when I mess up. Yeah. I
0: think that is something that I've definitely, well, I know that's something that I've definitely experienced myself. And it's hard because as moms, as parents, we get pulled in so many directions and we have so Mm -hmm. many things that we're juggling, so many balls in the air. But I think, you know, taking that time to kind of reflect- makes such a difference. just that awareness and sort of thinking about the things that we're doing and why we're doing them and having that time to reflect is so powerful and so important because we're trying our best and learning every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, even though I tell my kids I sometimes feel like I'm just making up things as I go. <laughs> oh
1: yeah yeah. And also apologizing. I don't yes. know if I, I ever heard my mom apologize. To me, it just wasn't the dynamic in the household. We also didn't spend near as much time with each other as I have with my kids. It's been really freeing for me to apologize to my kids and be like, my bad, I shouldn't have spoken to you in that way and I'm so sorry, I was pulled in this other direction, right? Just being really transparent about My own humanness has been really empowering and has really improved the relationship with my kids as well, because I don't want to be authoritarian who has a different set of rules than what I'm expecting of of the kids. I think it allows them to be a little bit easier on themselves as well. Because
0: we all make mistakes.
1: Yes, we all do.
0: (laughs) And before we wrap things up, Catherine, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles?
1: I think I'm just going to reiterate to you know provide those opportunities for your kids to be creative, to make this space for them to be creative, let them create on their own terms, and really honor that process of creation more than the product. They actually create because we want to encourage them to come back to that process. It is so powerful because that's where the learning and the growth really, really is. And then aside from that, practice and teach self compassion, as we all, as we just discussed. It's so freeing. It really is. Thank you so
0: much for uh, joining me today, Catherine. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the work that you do, where are the best places to find you?
1: So it's on Instagram at MyLifeCreativeKids or you can go straight to my website for my products and my blog, which is at MyLifeCreative.com. Wonderful. I'll make sure to share all of that in the show notes. Thank you
0: so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today, Catherine. It was so nice to connect with
1: you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time, where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.